And let's go. Welcome back to the My Story Podcast. It's been a long time, but it's still good to be back. Today we have on Jacinta, who's a really good friend of mine that I met here in Denver, going to the Augustine Institute. She goes through the story of her life growing up in a small town in Oklahoma, growing up doing a lot of things that the kids kind of get into, and undergoing a late conversion, which led her here to Denver, to the Augustine Institute, and to me. Jacinta. Hey. Glad to finally have you back. Um, <laughs> it's good so, to be back. Yeah, exactly. So for people that don't know, we actually, we didn't try. We recorded this five months ago originally, yeah. and then I get way too perfectionist about it. I think that's a lot more on me in any sense that it, on you. So we're, we're redoing it finally. Um, finally. But let's be honest, something happened in between that time. Um, What? Was it? finals or was was that the reason i didn't post things or you did get a girlfriend oh yeah Yeah. that that thing you know yeah and like she definitely um you know blew up my life um, (laughs) ruined everything blame valentina blew up this podcast (laughs) and my recording of it it's definitely her fault um and and not mine love you valentina yeah but let's get right into it so all right jacinta what was your life like i guess in a general sense and what was your faith life like growing up Growing up, um, so growing up, it was pretty good. Um, was raised in a big Catholic family. Got two older brothers and two older sisters. Three of them live in Oklahoma, where I'm from, and then one lives in Australia. So she's like way out there in the I don't know other land. Um, Just say by <laughs> you, the land far, far, far pre- away. She's at the Outback Steakhouse somewhere. Pretty much, so. yeah. So, um, was raised Catholic. My parents raised us in the faith. We went to Sunday mass every week, really, um, had a big, uh, extended family with lots of cousins and they were raised Catholic as well. I have a grandpa who handed on the faith to us and was a great example of what it looks like to be a solid Catholic in our lives. We'd get together and pray like the weekly rosary, not the weekly but we'd get together every week and pray the rosary together so that was um something that was a solid foundation of formation in my life and just seeing uh, my grandpa tom who's no longer alive but just seeing his witness of joy was really profound in my life too so i would say i had a pretty good upbringing of like living in the faith but i went to public schools um in oklahoma And most of my peers were like Protestant and things like that, which isn't a bad thing. But there were like 4% of us that were Catholic (laughs) in our little diocese. It's kind of a weird minority there. It was just like uh, not the norm, yeah, to be Catholic. So it was interesting growing up that way. Um, And then different church teachings um, like on chastity and things like that. My parents had um, instilled in us from an early age. It was kind of interesting, though, because they taught us like you should save sex for marriage. But I never knew like why. You know what I mean? So that um, going into my teen years wasn't really a good thing to not have that clear. You know, whenever you're going into dating and relationships and things like that. 
So were you taught, would you say you were taught a lot of rules for things? But yes. You, but you weren't necessarily taught why right. those rules were, existed or what was the purpose of them? Yes, yes. And as we know, Taylor, it's not enough to say no to something. We need something to say yes to. And so if you're going to say no, you're not going to know why you're saying no and you're eventually going to fall, you know. And that's pretty much what happened with me. <laughs> so being from Oklahoma... And I guess this is just anywhere in general. I'm not going to blame a whole state. Let's blame the state. <laughs> let's, let's blame the panhandle. I mean. the, the panhandle. Nobody even goes to the panhandle. But whatever. Um, we're blaming the state because you're all about Michigan. That's why. Yes. Now it's that true. now that I've abandoned my state and live in Colorado. But okay. but you'll be back. Yeah. Give me the sultry details. Let's, let's okay. Go. Let's so. go. Let's. We're going deep. Um. So just growing up, whenever I was like a little girl, we moved to Sayre, Oklahoma, and then we moved back um, long enough for me to get the thick accent, um, which I don't know if you can even hear it now, but I've lived in so many places, it's kind of watered down. Um, but yeah, so moving back, I was in the second grade, and I just noticed at an early age, and I'm not even kidding you, that people were dating at such a young age. Um, I remember being in the sixth grade and this guy, Joey Waller asked me out on the playground and my friends were like, you should go out with him. He likes you. I'm in the sixth grade. All right. So <laughs> super You're young. Like, my even... body is changing right now. <laughs> I don't know what's up and what's down. I don't even know what you do in the sixth grade. Watch like cartoons together. Anyway. So we were, we dated for like a day. And I told my sister Cabrini, like, I'm dating this guy, Joey. And she saw that as an opportunity to um, to get me to be her slave. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> as, as little sisters or older sisters do to their younger siblings. So she was like, OK, I'm going to blackmail you. And um, she's like, I'm going to tell mom and dad that you're dating this guy. If, unless you, like, do all these things for me to, so, like, make her a sandwich, clean her room, silly things like that. Um, and then she would, like, drop hints at the dinner table. And I was like, I can't live this way. So I broke up with him the next day. So thank you, Cabrini, for blackmailing me. Was, jo was Joey <laughs> devastated? Did he ever recover? I think he's doing fine. <laughs> I think Joey's doing just fine. Yeah. Um, a whole 24 hours of dating me. Um, so... I share that just because it's just ridiculous that you would be wanting to date at that young of an age and that that would happen. So I survived my junior high years without being in a relationship, but it was ninth grade. I got my first boyfriend, Anthony Karlowski. I always forget about him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. Sorry, Tony. Hey, Tony. I know it's terrible, but we dated like at the end of my freshman year. So that's why I forget about him. But I feel like going into relationships, I wanted to live out my Catholic faith and I wanted to be good. Um, but I feel like the guys that I was dating at my public school would like push me as far as I could go with my purity and see what they could take from me. Like they weren't well formed themselves. And um, we broke up because he moved away to another state. And so I dodged that bullet of... Uh, giving into impurity and things like that. Um, so, what do you mean, just for people that are listening? Yes, that aren't. yes. So, like, just giving into sex. 
There you go. <laughs> so hard to say. It is you know, so the, the hard S to word. say. <laughs> but that, we're adults here, right? That darn sex word, you know. We're adults here, right, Taylor? Yeah. Let's, yeah. We can do this. I think we can make it through. Um, so I dodged that bullet and I, I kept, you know, my virginity. And so I was like, okay, that's like what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay a virgin until I was married because that's what I was taught. But I didn't understand the teachings of the church and all of that that we can talk about in a little bit. So then I meet this guy, Kevin, through mutual friends. And Kevin is a tall soccer player. I don't know if he still plays soccer, but he was a tall soccer player. Very he, good looking. He's still tall. He's still tall. <laughs> For the record, he's still tall. Oh my gosh, I just snorted into the microphone. I'm keeping that. <laughs> um, so Kevin pursued me, and it felt good to be pursued because um, I didn't like him first. He liked me first, and that's like the best. So he like we met at a friend's house, and then he got my phone number, and this was back in the day when we had like those old Nokia phones. Taylor, do you remember these? The old Nokia phones where you could like change the face cover on them. Yeah, I know what they are. I was I was poor, so I, never, <laughs> I didn't have a phone for. I a was long poor time. too, but somehow we had one. My Italian dad wanted to keep tabs on, so that's what it was. Um, so yeah, he would text me, and I would always run out of my messages because you could only have like a certain oh, amount yes. a month. That sucked. I hated that. Um, so he would text me during the day and we started dating pretty fast after we started talking and he would be like, you're beautiful. And I'd be like, tell me more. <laughs> this is great. So he'd be like, you're beautiful. You're amazing. I've never met anyone like you. And for, I was a sophomore in high school. So for a sophomore in high school, that was like pretty serious conversation, you know? And I remember being in class with, um, I went to the Catholic school. I switched over my sophomore year to the uh, Catholic school. And I remember being in theology class and my theology teacher was like, who here has been in love? And I like raised my, my hand. Your like hand was the first to go up. Exactly. Like, right I was now. like over eager. Yeah. I'm like, yes, me. I'm in love right now. This I, is great. I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question in this All exact year. situation. Exactly. Yes. So, um... I didn't know what love was. I thought that love meant being in a relationship and having somebody tell you that you're amazing and you're beautiful and all of these things. And it felt really good to hear that from somebody who is good looking and from somebody who is my same age. And so we dated about four months, which is like eternity when you're in high school. Am I right? True. Yeah. For realsies, though. So we dated for four months and then it started to get rocky a bit. And I kind of knew that he was gonna break up with me I just had a gut feeling and um again my purity and my morals kept getting compromised in this relationship like little things here and there we didn't sleep together but we did other things outside of that that would have you're moving along the basis yeah yeah <laughs> um and so I told him I wasn't going to sleep with him and he texts me when I'm at school and he's like we need to talk and I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to spontaneously combust. That's, I didn't. That's what it feels like in high school. It though. does. It does. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to break up with me. And he did break up with me. And little 15. Well, I turned 16. So 16 year old Jacinta was devastated. I was crushed. So that was like my first heartbreak 
Um, Because when Anthony moved away, it was just like he was moving. That's why we're breaking up. But with Kevin, it was like I felt like there was so much more investment and so much more... I don't know, growth together and just hanging out and having these memories together. Do you think there's a sense of where I feel like when you're like physical with someone and like you, you go a certain way, you kind of like that's an it feels like an investment. of Yeah. Yeah. So actually, this is what we talked to uh, whenever I was giving chastity talks on the East Coast. There's this hormone called oxytocin that's released. Mm-hmm. It's like a bonding hormone. So it binds you to your um, significant other. It binds you to your baby and it binds you to your spouse. So this is great in marriage. Not so great when you're dating somebody, because when you're dating somebody, um, things that so oxytocin going back to that it's a chemical that's released whenever during sexual activity during breastfeeding and um isn't during childbirth birth as well yeah Yeah. so all of those three instances our brains are flooded with oxytocin it binds you to your baby it binds you to your spouse great in marriage because it softens your um significant other's flaws like um if our husband's like doing something that annoys you, leaves the milk out on the counter, like I mean, that's that's the point of makeup sex. Right <laughs> exactly. Within, obviously, within a marriage, but right, Taylor. Course, exactly. We're not immoral here, but just, uh, but but that, it, that's so true. It binds you to your spouse. It binds you to your baby. Great in marriage because they're gonna annoy the heck out of you, and things that would um, annoy you are softened by this oxytocin. Right. Not so great when you're dating somebody because you're not able to discern or to see the relationship as it is because your brain is clouded by this oxytocin. Trust goes way up. There's been studies that have shown um, that people who uh, they've like given oxytocin to people and like let them gamble and they've like trusted the other person at the um I don't know it's just been at the very, table. yeah at the table and it just is a study that shows that it really increases trust and this is true so it's not good when you're just dating somebody because when you're dating somebody you're just getting to know them you don't know if you want to spend forever with them especially when you're 16 17 18 you know what i mean yeah so that made your breakup just like feel devastating yeah yeah it like hurt really bad and so i didn't know what to do to uh at 16 to heal from that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. at that point i had gone through confirmation and just kind of going through the motions with my faith but i didn't have a relationship with god and so once you know you go a little bit farther you want to you want to okay well let me tell you i had another boyfriend after this whose name was Sean and um just kind of feel those wounds you know what i mean just to kind of um i don't know so like bounce back basically. yeah bounce yeah. back rebound whatever so <laughs> i was dating sean my sh- junior year of high school and so that is the turning point in my life where you know i didn't go to the faith after kevin broke up with me to get the healing that i needed um to you know continue on as a high school student and whatever i was doing but um i turned to relationships for my worth and for my value if that makes sense yeah so that's what i was doing as a teenager and then by the time i had my next boyfriend i had um lost my virginity and i was a junior in high school and so i just it just kind of led me on a path that wasn't healthy after that do you felt like 
once you, I guess, like you broke the seal, like in a way, or it's like, well, I already did this. Yeah, like, why Taylor, not continue? Totally. To do this? I totally feel that way. Absolutely. Because me and Sean dated my junior year, and then I don't think I dated anyone my senior year, but then, like, totally, like, after that, um, you know, sex wasn't a big deal to me. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I'll sleep with this person, you know, that I'm dating, and it's not a big deal. I've already done it once. Um, what's gone is gone and I can't really get it back. So that was my mentality. And that's terrible. Um, because there's always hope, you know, you can always start over. And that's what I was telling these girls that I would go into the classrooms, uh, just before I came out here to the Augustine Institute. It's like, it's never too late to start over. And, um, I wouldn't be up here talking to you today if that was the case. So, yeah. Um, so just like, And with that, with like the sleeping with my boyfriend, obviously I got into the partying and to the drinking. And then um, when it was time for college, I had moved out to the Art Institute of Portland in Oregon um, because that's really close to Oklahoma. And (laughs) like, get me away. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Well, I had been into fashion. I had loved um, watching the show The Hills with Lauren Conrad on there. And so that was my goal. I was like, I could do fashion. So I was studying fashion marketing at the Art Institute of Portland. And at this point, I really didn't have a moral compass. I was like all in to the culture. I was partying, you know, sleeping with guys that I, (laughs) yeah, there's no easy way to say that, but that's what I was doing. Um, And I really am grateful that I have awesome parents David and Denise, shout out. My parents are adorable. I love all the name drops. Like every person, (laughs) you're like, I'm giving you the full name, social security card. I'm just kidding. But like, (laughs) you're just like, these are the people. I like it. I know. Yeah. But your your parents. Yeah. My dad, he's a solid dude. Um, Like he's always been living out his faith, always been super solid. And it was important for me to have that male figure in my life Um, because he just, even looking at him, while I was in this state of like partying and things like that, I always felt convicted. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't look at me like that. But it was a good conviction. Like he was raising me to a higher standard. Like you could, he was like, by him looking at me like that, it's like, you are not doing what you should be doing. Like girl, you need to get it together. And I needed that. So thank you, dad, for being amazing. Um, so moving to Oregon, I started praying the rosary every day because I mentioned before that my uh, all of our cousins would get together and pray every week. And so honestly, at this point, Taylor, I was feeling like super depressed. I had anxiety all the time. And I feel like when you're outside of the will of God, like that can happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like I was doing everything out of my own strength and it was kind of exhausting. And so I just wasn't content. I wasn't happy. Um, I only felt happy when I was drinking, which is terrible. And that's just the truth. Uh, it sounds pathetic, I know, but that's the truth. And so I started praying the rosary. It was like I had some hope in that, you know, that things would get better and I would feel better. Um, so praying the rosary every day. When I was in college was, I'm, I'm surprised that I did it because I even did like the scriptural rosary, you know, where you pray like uh, a Bible yeah. verse. It took like 45 minutes and like my friends would be knocking on my dorm and they'd be like, hey, let's go to this party. And I'd be like, hold on. 
I'm praying the rosary. You're like, let me finish my rosary and then I'll go. I know. And I'd be like, do you have any intentions? And they'd be like, you're so weird. <laughs> but um, no, actually, my friend Savannah was like, actually, she gave me a list of intentions. It was funny. So um, praying the rosary every day. And slowly I started to have these thoughts of wanting to do God's will, you know, and I'm like, this is totally normal. Not really. I was like, where are these thoughts coming from? I've never thought this in my life. It's always been like, I'm going to do me. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that was my philosophy, which is a terrible way to live. So why do you think that? Because we we put ourselves, we don't know what's good for ourselves. And if I'm just doing what I want to do all the time, um, there's no growth in that. There's no virtue. And there's a lot of vice. And vice leads to putting yourself into a place, like, pretty much into enslavement. And I was enslaved to my sins. And I was enslaved to the partying and to the hooking up, you know? So what do you mean by enslaved? By enslaved, I feel like I'm getting quizzed. This is fun. No, I like it. I love it. So by being enslaved, I mean like you have no control over that. It's that thing, whatever it is, the sin, whether it's pornography, whether it's sex, whether it's drinking, that sin will um, dictate what you do and how you spend your weekends and how you spend your nights. And it's like there's no freedom with that. So it's like you couldn't really stop if you wanted to you're just kind of like stuck in a loop yeah yeah pretty much taylor that's what i'm saying so i felt enslaved by all of these things Um, did you try to stop or was it like i did try and stop drinking um but i really think i was drinking just to numb like how i felt Mm -hmm. the sexual sins that i was uh, doing just the uh the relationships i was in that i knew that i was better than doing all of those things I think it was just like a coping thing like I was just numbing that like oh it's fine I'm fine we'll just drink and uh it'll be fine it'll be good (laughs) so I think that's what that was so um yeah um so I was having these thoughts of wanting to do God's will and there was this girl Val that lived across the hall from me and she is a Protestant woman and those Protestants they know their Bible So actually, we would just get into like really long discussions and I would be like, Val, like this is happening in my life. Like I want to start going back to church and things like that. I don't know what to do. And my friend Gay Nick, we called him Gay Nick. He still calls himself Gay Nick. Um, He was like, Jacinta, you should go to Val's church with her because there's a lot of good looking guys there. And I was like sold there you go (laughs) you know god meets us where we're at and he met me where i was at currently um in those sins you know what i mean so then i go to church and that's where i really felt convicted and the pastor there started saying all of these things that i needed to hear um he he would totally just call everybody out he's like if you're watching pornography like throw your laptops away um he's like I know some of you here are just here for church and then after this you're gonna go out and you're gonna get drunk and I was like oh my gosh that's me so that's exactly (laughs) what I'm doing at two o'clock I know yeah so it was good and then slowly I, I continued on going to her church with her and having this conversion of heart and really wanting to do good for the first time in a long time because there was like a long fade away from my faith 
Um, it's not like, you know, you're breathing fire and you have devil horns overnight. You know, it takes at least a couple weeks. So <laughs> then you get the, then you grow the horns and the tail. Exactly. And, and the pitchfork, you know, comes as an accessory. The smell of sulfur follows you. And yeah. <laughs> it's, <just> kidding. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, so, yeah. Um, it came to a point where at this church, the conversation got to like, you got to surrender to God. And for me, I'm like, I want to surrender. Like, I really want to do what he wants me to do because this, um, you know, I wanted peace and I didn't have any peace. It was terrible. It was a terrible feeling. And I think that's really what caused my me to go back to my faith in general is because it was just all this anxiety. And it was so annoying. So, um, yeah, so it came to a point where I needed to surrender, but I didn't know what I needed to give up, you know? I knew that I needed to give something up um, because I was reading this book. I don't know if you've heard of, like, the volumes. Some people don't like them because they don't think, like, they're approved by the church. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, so keep on going. Yeah, um, so they're, like, it's called Direction for Our Times, and... I can't remember if my dad or mom gave it to me, but it was this little booklet and it was like Jesus speaking to uh, us. And he was just like saying like, come back to me and like surrender. And he's like, you're going to surrender, but it's going to cost you something. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, Oh crap, what is it going to cost me? And I was talking to Val. I'm like, I don't even know what I need to give up. And meanwhile, I'm like sleeping with my boyfriend and I'm drinking and I just had no idea. Cause like once you're in it, you don't really see you know, once you're in your sins, you don't see what you're doing so clearly. Where you just become, you become so used to something. Yeah. That's just like, you know, this is just normal. I'm like, I'm going to fish in water. Or yeah. like, this is just my life. This is how I live. This is part of it. It's like, yeah. duh, of course I do this. Right. Exactly. And the people I was surrounding myself with were totally okay with the lifestyle that I was living. Um, they would, you know, encourage it. So. That definitely, I didn't have anybody to convict me besides Val. So that was a gift. Um, And my dad, who's totally a rock star. Um, So, yeah, I knew I needed to give something up. So I prayed about it. And then I had a dream, like, of the guys and the drinking. And I'm like, okay, I think God is asking me to give up, you know, the partying lifestyle that I was in. And also to give up the guys not just that guy, but like just going from relationship to relationship, like always constantly being in a relationship and then that validating me. So just giving that up. And so that was really difficult. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Because it's a total lifestyle change, you know, takes a lot of courage to do that. And it was really hard. Um, so I was wrestling with surrendering and with giving those things up because I didn't know what was on the other side of that. I didn't know what my life would look like. Um, So I was walking with my friends in downtown Portland, Oregon one night. And it was a lot of my guy friends. And I wasn't really in the conversation. I was just kind of wrestling because I wasn't at peace. And I was like talking to God inside (laughs) in in my mind. And I was like, Lord, if I break up with this guy, because I didn't want to. Like, I really didn't want to. I'm like, he's great. He's everything I've ever wanted. (laughs) That's what I thought. Yeah. (laughs) And um, everything I ever wanted in a guy. And so as I asked that question, we're at a skate park. And there's all this graffiti under this bridge. And I'm like, Lord, if I break up with this guy, what are you going to give to me? And as soon as I asked that, I look up 
and there's a picture of him and it's a profile of Jesus. Like it's one of the famous paintings. I don't know how else to describe it. My parents have it in their kitchen, but it it was just untouched and it was right there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out on you. And um, yeah, so I knew what I needed to do. So I invited my boyfriend over and I was like, we need to have a talk. And I told him, and this is funny because I tell the girls whenever I give talks, like if you're sleeping with your boyfriend, apply the love test, like take sex out of the relationship and see what's what's left. So I wasn't going to totally break up with him, but I was going to take sex out of the relationship. And I'm like, hey, Pete, so I'm trying to live this new lifestyle um, and I want to stop having sex. And I'm not kidding you. You could see the blood drain from his face. And he was like... I would really like you to reconsider that. (laughs) And I'm like, I think you need to reconsider this relationship. (laughs) So we broke up, um, which was good. And so that's pretty much not it. But then there was a whole lifestyle change after that. um, I realized that I did not want to be in fashion. I still love fashion. But I felt God calling me out of that environment. It was very superficial and there was a drought of authentic love. There was a drought of just respect for the person and everything was about what was on the outside. And it just felt so hollow that I did not want to be a part of that. I was like, deuces, like I'm out. So I stayed another semester. No, I stayed summer semester and yeah, summer semester. And then after that, I switched and moved back home to Tulsa and then finished at St. Gregory's in my hometown. And so everything was great after that. Like it was fine. Like there was nothing, uh, no, no big thing. No, it was it was hard. Starting over was very, very hard. Um, but it was good. So um, what I did, um, just changing your lifestyle is never easy. So what I would recommend is, you know, the sacraments, obviously, um, mass, but also counseling, too. So that's what I did is I had like a secular counselor, just kind of like a life coach to kind of help me, you know, um, to heal and things like that. Um, big advocate for counseling. So, um, woot, woot. huh? I, I said, woot, woot, I agree. Oh, okay. Reason. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we have to humble ourselves to, um, to, to be honest with ourselves and say like, Hey, I need some help, man. Yeah. You know, and there's, it's okay. Like we all need help. Nobody's perfect. I feel um, like there's, there's a big difference between, I'm, I'm noticing my life where, cause I've gotten, I've been counseling a couple times and uh, for different amounts of periods of time. And for me, it's like, I feel like there's for each time I was, it was like six months of, or maybe it was like, sometimes it was like a few years before I did my first time where I was like, wow. Um, yeah, I probably need this. Yeah. It was like, well, I need help. You know, I could probably use that, but I'm afraid of it. I don't know what it's going to be like. My first experience was not that great in all honesty. Yeah. Sometimes but, but, you have to shop around for yeah, a good but fit. But it was, the fact, like, you need to go from the place where it's like, okay, I mean, recognizing that you need help took me years, and then actually seeing it took me more years. But it's like, I'm, you know, looking back at my life, at least, like, I wish I had done it earlier because I was just kind of prolonging a lot of the different pains and yeah. things in my life. Like, I was just basically, you know, procrastinating and making myself suffer more mm. from that. Mm. Yeah. 
but it's never too late. That's the good news. So, um, so yeah. And then I finished college. I graduated and I was working at a law firm and just not really content with what I was doing, working in the secular world and wanting to do something for God, but I didn't know what that looked like. And so I started a nine day novena. This was after my conversion and after finishing college. And I'm like, I want to do something now. Like I'm, you know, I feel like I want to mission, you know, I'm like, what's my mission? So I prayed to the patron saint of missions, St. Therese herself. And, um, I had a dream. You're going <laughs> to, you're like, you have lots of dreams. So, Guess. Yeah. yeah. So I had a dream and in my dream, um, on the ninth day, I was in a classroom and somebody had laid a bouquet of roses on this podium and St. Therese in the Catholic faith, if you pray to her, she's known for showering you with roses. And so, um, I got roses on the ninth day. And so she had laid a bouquet of roses on the podium and somebody had said, you're up, Jacinta, it's your turn to speak. And I woke up from that dream and I'm like, am I supposed to be a speaker of some sort? I'm like, I don't even know how somebody goes about doing that. Like, what is that even like, what does that look like? Um, and then I was on goodoldcatholicjobs.com later on that month. And sure enough, I saw an advertisement for Chastity Speaker with Generation Life. And they were all, all the way out in Philadelphia. I'd never been to Philly before. The farthest east I think I've been was Virginia at that point, which is pretty far east. But not, I hadn't been very far northeast, you know. So I flew out to interview with them. And when I got to the airport, this sweet lady, Kim Savage, who's the director of Gen Life, picked me up. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And she was like, I know, but it's good. And I'm like, OK. Um, so that really caught, that was a big leap of faith on my behalf to even go out there and um, see what they were all about. But I ended up giving them my testimony and they were like, hey, you should really, you know, think about doing this. And so I left my job at the law firm and I moved to Philadelphia and that's where I was living before I came out here and I was traveling up and down the east coast giving chastity and theology of the body um, talks to teens and so I really feel like I found my mission in that and that's why I'm at the Augustine Institute with you studying so that I can continue on spreading this message that I didn't hear as a teenager um, you know and really help impact our culture in a positive way with these life-changing messages so it's gonna be awesome i can't wait to see what god does next okay i have have one final question for you okay actually i have two okay Uh, one one question uh was it worth it for as all the changes like you know you made a total change in lifestyle you made really a leap of faith to like decide to put like your faith at the center of your life or to follow jesus like was it worth it and why Oh my gosh, it was so worth it. Like my life before and now are completely different. Like I had a community of friends um, before, but I just, there was, there was no peace. And it was just constantly like, I never felt like authentically loved by them, you know? And so it was completely worth it. It was very, very hard turning everything around because it meant like not being friends with certain people anymore. And that was hard. And then it meant finding new friends. And that was even harder. Um, But it was so worth it because Jesus truly offers us what I was looking for before. Um, 
was a fully alive life, but I didn't know it. I was just looking, you know, to have fun and like, who doesn't want to have fun, you know? But I was looking for it in all the wrong places. And I feel like I found it in all the right places with God. And he showed me like, this is, your desires are good. Your desires for love are, are not bad and they're good and you are good. And here's how to go about it. Let me show you and lead you. Um, and that's the face of our merciful father, you know? So yes, it was completely worth it. And it's, yeah, every day is awesome. I just wake up, say yes to the Lord. <laughs> There's going to be hard days. There's always hard days, but it's good because, you know, we're growing and becoming the people, I, I'm becoming the person Christ is calling me to be. And I know who I am and I found my identity in him. And that's something that, you know, is amazing and that I wouldn't change for anything. Okay, final question for real. Okay. So imagine that you're time traveling. Yeah. And you're going back to 14-year-old, 15-year-old Jacinta, or maybe Jacinta in like the middle of college uh-huh. and like w- like the lifestyle you were living then. What's just one or two things that you would say to yourself? I would say that one you're unique and unrepeatable because I feel like a lot of times when you're young you try and act like everybody else Mm -hmm. and to just be yourself um to your value lies in the fact that you are a daughter of God not based on who you're in a relationship with that's what I would say wonderful well thanks Jacinta for airdropping in five months after um back into my creepy basement to record this podcast feels good to be back yeah but thank you for setting aside the time for this and thanks for just being honest in yourself absolutely because this is who Jacinta she's just super frenetic and (laughs) very vibrant but thank you thanks right back at you kid All right, I want to thank Jacinta um, again for coming on and reviving the My Story podcast. If you want to hear more of Jacinta, she has a YouTube channel. And actually, every time I see her in person, I'm like, hey, famous YouTuber. Hi, famous YouTuber. But it's Jacinta Florence. So just search Jacinta Florence on YouTube and you can find her. So she speaks on just a number of topics. She wants to speak to young adults. She actually feels called to speak in the future. So it was good to have you know up and coming Jacinta on. Just a little sneak peek, our next podcast coming up is the good news about everything that sucks. And it's pretty deep. It's going to be talking about the belief that so many of us have in America that science and policy and political changes, technology, they're going to fix everything, including human suffering and all injustice. And so through that, we're going to talk about racism, Star Trek, and the depths of the human heart. And that will be up sometime in the next two weeks. If you want to hear about that, know when it's coming out. So two ways to do that. First is to subscribe on whatever you know podcast app or listening app that you're using. The other one is to, we have like a fancy little emails that I send out every time I post something. And if you go down to the EEPRL link, um, I will get you with my emails in your inbox and they're gorgeous. Of course, please follow us on the gram. Um, I post these little cool videos and pictures and also you can see kind of behind the scenes of what i'm doing when i record these so instagram facebook twitter and finally a special shout out to my patreon supporters john mira one of my best friends and carol sharon who's my mom 
They support this podcast with a little little moolah every time I post, and they make it possible. So if you want to join them in making this happen and making me post more, click on the Patreon link below. Finally, thank you all for listening, and have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas.